Vigilante wins here in the 39th episode of the Culture Crime Fighters, where I'm joined not only by my usual partner in culture crime fighting, Matt from Fireball Productions, but the one, the only, Dalton Pruitt. And I'm excited. We're excited to have uh, Dalton here. Yeah, this is nice, man. I haven't done a, just a classic um, sitting in front of the laptop podcast in a while. Yeah. Well, I saw I was watching a few episodes. You co-host a show called The Loud Boys, right? Yes, with uh, Robbie Goodwin and Joe Gorman. Right on. You guys are very funny. Uh, I was super jealous. You had you did have Ryan Long on there. I was watching that episode. I'm a big fan of his. And uh, but you, you guys are you guys are great. You guys are a really funny show. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. We um, it's been an uh, an interesting social experiment because we started the show right before COVID hit. Okay. Like we were just going to Robbie's apartment and like sitting on his bed to record it. And it was just something that we were doing because we, you know, we were doing open mics and then, sure. and then COVID hit and we just kept doing it on zoom. Cause we were like, well, there's nothing to do. So fire this up a couple hours each week, whatever. And, and um, yeah, we just kept doing it. And now it is what it is, which I, I feel like we are, not unique but i'm interested to see the other shows that survive that survived covid mm-hmm. and can crawl out of this because we built the whole thing during the pandemic yeah like we, when you guys we, have we a patreon had, right yeah we we didn't even have a patreon until like april maybe so like six months ago oh, okay um yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting to see the the performers that come out of this because we approached it with almost like a survival mentality where mm-hmm. it was like, well, the world is kind of falling apart right now. Uh, let's just have some kind of structure. And this wasn't like a conscious thing any of us were thinking. I think we just were lonely. Yeah, and bored. I mean, that's why I got on the internet. I I started YouTubing during the pandemic. I was an actor in in L.A., and I just, like, uh, there's nothing else to do. And I listen to all these YouTubers. I listen to all these comedy podcasts, and I was just like, I don't know. Let me try my hand at it. Let me, like, see how it goes, see if I like it. One of the guys from uh, Chapo tweeted something pretty enlightening. I've been getting into tweets, all right? Yeah. Um, What's What's your Twitter, Dalton? It's at New Dalton sixty nine four twenty. The numbers of the gods. Shit. Yes, I gotta think about because I had I also have some thoughts on tweets, but the um, one of the guys from Chapo, I think it was Will, was commenting on that. Did you guys see that clip with the uh, on Fox News, Laura Ingraham and that other guy? I have not. Uh, no. What's the context? It's actually pretty funny and endearing. Uh, they're talking about like a measles outbreak somewhere, and one of the one of these like conservative pundits—I don't know who the guy is—says, uh, "Yeah, they um, this it was like the joke was like this happened on on you, like the show you on Netflix." Uh-huh. And I don't know if they were doing a bit or not because Laura Ingraham actually seemed confused. Like she was like, "What the? What are you talking about?" And he goes, "You the show." Like he was on first kind of thing. That, that was the bit, but it was like if one person was the straight man and one person didn't know they were doing a bit. 
<laughs> and it kind of it kind of came off in a really endearing way to me. And, and one of the guys from Chapo said, like, yeah, that's the thing with all these conservative guys is they all wish they were comedians. And nobody right now is doing – like, nobody's doing the thing they want to do, even though they're – like, the job they have. They all – even if they've succeeded in media, they all wish they were in some other form of entertainment. And I've had that thought before. Where I'm like, why are so many people doing this thing but also trying to do this thing and that thing? And it's like you're spinning too many plates. I thought you were going to say, like, I had that thought before. I want to be like a hardcore rapper. And so I get why they want to <laughs> be comedians. So Right. No, I, I completely understand the desire to. But it's like my thing is like, why can't it just be a hobby? Mm-hmm. Like, I like music. I like to sing. I go to karaoke. I'm, I'm never going to be a like a singer, but you need you know. to put some auto tune on it. Then you can be a superstar. Nah, dude. I like it when it's dirty, man. I like it when you sound like shit because your vocal cords are blown out and you know you're, you're thrashing around up there, freaking everyone out. That's music, baby. I think to like your your initial point though about like why people want to do those other things. It's sometimes it's. I heard it described as like the the one thing that you're good at. Sometimes it bores you because you're just good at it and it's not interesting. And you kind of want to, you you almost are envious or you want to. There's some sort of inside instinct to try to do something or want to do something that you can't do, and that sort of is your pursuit. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a very human thing, man. It's like mm-hmm. you know, uh, people get bored after a while, and you got to keep figuring out new ways to appreciate what it is you're doing. And I, you know, that's why I think it's good to have hobbies, but you know, if you have a, like, okay, um, let's say it's the, it's the middle ages and you're a blacksmith, you understand your role is that of a blacksmith. You're like a master armor. Everyone from the four corners comes to you for their armor. Now Let's say you wanted to try your hand at being a bard. There's nothing wrong with going to the ye old open mic and play, <laughs> playing a little loot for the evening. But the next day, get back to the fucking armory. Make some you, armor. Make some swords. You think in the Middle Ages they had bringer shows? It was all bringers, man. All bringers. I, wish, I wish more people had this perspective that for live performance, entertainment, all began as a way for people who truly could not function in polite society to be able to express themselves and just hit the road, come into your town, fuck your daughters, leave, do it again <laughs> the next weekend. That's all it is, man. It's gypsies and carnies and freak shows, and you know that's the life I've chosen. But you know, a lot of th- th- there's all this ego and money that gets in the way, and people think it's more serious than it is. And it's like, guys, you know. What we do is not particularly like it ain't uh, rocket science. Yeah, on a long enough timeline, people are going to look back at what we're doing and say, "Well, who ever thought this was funny?" I'm glad they're dead. Because, and you know why I can make <laughs> Jesus that. Jesus Christ! Do you, you want to know? But do you want to know why I'm able to make that call? Because I've done that. It's like I look at some of the comedians that people say are great from the past, and it's like. Holy shit, I'm so glad this dude blew his brains out in a bathtub. Uh, 
I, the thing is, comedy is so contextual, though. Like, what even uh, like specials that I really enjoyed from like you know growing up or ten years ago or so. Like, they just they're not as funny. They don't really work anymore. Like, it kind of almost has like a shelf life. Um, there's very there's very few that um, are preserved that are mm -hmm. like a, like a strawberry jam or a, a, a pickled herring. Where yeah, it's or it's going to be good. Or a pickled uh, pig's foot, dog. Or a pickled pig's foot. Yeah, guy um, on those pickled pig's feet. We haven't talked about your life yet, which is yeah, crazy. But I would say something like Eddie Murphy Raw that holds up. That's one that you yeah. could watch anytime. And it's like some mm -hmm. of the references you might not understand, but the the performance of it is just so good that I think that one holds up really well. I also think uh, so far Elephant in the Room holds yeah. up. Patrice, oh. well, I mean, Patrice is sort yeah. of transcends time and space. A lot of stuff <laughs> has aged better. It sounds better. Real yeah. quick, though, I, I want to take down the chat. I think they don't know if we're live or not. We are live. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like, it's freaking. Yeah, no, yeah. They, they, they said this is pre-recorded. It's not pre- like, when are we Oh, because we haven't. <clears throat> is that because we haven't yeah. uh, addressed the chat at all yeah. whatsoever? So Hi, lovely. everybody. There's a chat. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a oh, chat full shit. of people. We have a sentient dildo who's probably like the most vocal of our guests. Mm -hmm. The one we, Fans. despite he, them hating us, we we love the most. We got mm -hmm. Zach's here. The hell, Zach's. Padass. I man, Padass. Got a couple of uh, people here. And yeah. more will watch the playback. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's live people. They're here oh, talking sure. stuff. God damn, if we did that for our show, It we would kill each other. I don't know. <laughs> If we had, if we were able to look at a live feed of comments and see what people were saying in real time, it would end in a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> I think like it's 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 interesting because uh, you do get like this kind of live feedback, so it gives you something to bounce off of, and then it's sort of interactive. I mean, like live streaming is different than podcasting, and I I kind of like that angle, but it is diff a different set of skills you have to work. We're all trying to navigate a new landscape, you know, like when I was a kid, my dream was to do Letterman. And then when I was like 2021 20, starting comedy, Letterman retired. And then I had all these people uh, at these clubs be telling me, you got to work on your type five for your Letterman set. And I'm like, hey, I don't know if you saw the news, but he left like he doesn't do his show anymore. Craig Ferguson left, Conan left, all this shit's going away. And so now what we have is this new world of Damn. live streams and, and comment sections and YouTube and all that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is like a drastic shift in entertainment. And isn't my understanding that those late night talk shows don't really give the boost to comics that they used to give them? Um, no, they don't. I know plenty of comics. Who watches who, them, though? I know plenty yeah. of comics who went on Conan who work moving jobs now, so... <laughs> um yeah and i you know and conan recognized that that's why he, that's probably one of the reasons he left because conan's a real dude like mm -hmm. i never met him obviously but you know you can see it in the relationship he had with norm mcdonald that he was like a real he was like a real guy who actually cares about comedy and that's what you know and i love watching those clips of him and norm because you could tell that norm doesn't care about any of that showbiz shit no, and you could best. tell conan Conan doesn't want to care, but he has to. Mm -hmm. And so I love those moments when you could you could see Norm really getting to Conan, and Conan just has to kind of sit there and take it because he I can't he can't he can't really say like Norm, what the fuck are you doing? 
but right. he also he also can't go too hard along with it. So he just has to sit there and be like, "All right, you got me." He used to do the same with Burr. Like whenever ever Burr would come on, like Burr would just start going off about whatever, and then like you know Conan would. It's almost like he would play like the voice of the concerned audience member, but it would almost fuel Burr and let him to just get his points yeah. out there. And that's pretty you know, deft. And that's because Conan and any of these guys are one man empires. Like, you know, somebody like Conan, it's not just him. It's him and like two, three hundred other people that work for that company. You know, you know what I mean? So mm. he he uh, bears the responsibility of like a whole fleet of jobs. So it, that's such a weird dynamic to be that guy and then say to somebody like Norm McDonald, who is a degenerate gambler <laughs> uh, who can barely hold it together in his own life to say, Hey, come do a, a nationally broadcast television program. That's live. If that, that, that is crazy to me that that still happens i guess it doesn't now i say it does yeah yeah like everything is very sterilized now but that that was such a cool moment in time to to be that kind of guy and, and to still say hey i'm gonna invite true maniacs onto my show <laughs> well it used to just be i think it used to just be it's funny so who cares let's just have a little bit of fun we'll make some jokes no one none of this really matters and uh that's why you know, you, you were talking earlier off off stage about how, uh, like, I, why aren't people happy? Like, why why are people so miserable all the time? And I and I brought the point that I think a lot of people think there's a lot at stake uh, in our new current society. And look, I kind of tend to agree with that a little bit because it does feel like the culture is being completely sanitized, being robbed of its, you know, like the the grit and the uh, the true diversity you know so you could you could hear some wild shit and then that would be that it wouldn't be we have to silence him like that needs to stop we need to get rid of this type of speech blah 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 like it was just oh that was funny or i found that offensive and then everyone would just go on with their day yeah. it's ebbs and flows man you can see these cycles play out in a lot of different uh aspects you know if you look at like you know um i think Tarantino mentioned this on Rogan, so I, I'm not breaking new ground here. But yeah, if you look at the movies of the 70s versus the movies of the 80s, there's a very stark difference in in what what they are. Like the 70s was dirty, and everybody every movie was about junkies killing each other or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and the 80s was more sterile, and everything was about just like rich kids hitting the slopes, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, and so these things happen in these cycles, you know, uh, we see it with music, like, uh, all this hair metal Motley Crue shit was driving people out of their fucking minds. And then, uh, grunge came around, completely changed the landscape. Kurt Cobain blows his brains out. And guess what? On a long enough timeline, everybody started to hate grunge as well. Mm -hmm. So it just, it just keeps happening. Yeah. There's some truth in that. I think it's a well, little different right now though. To be honest, so, sorry. Go, go ahead. Oh man. yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I'm just saying. Like, you can look at these other things and try to. You can apply them, but you're never going to be able to have any real certainty. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Of course, it's different. It's new, but you know, if you look to the past, you can kind of see these patterns play out and try to make some prediction. But it, there's always going to be a, a lot of uncertainty. 
And I think that's why everybody's so, so on edge right now is because this is not only is it in an uncertain time, but we also have been alone, but at the same time had no time to ourselves because we're all just staring at our phones waiting for the for the all clear, you know. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying it. That's what we're waiting on. We're waiting for like somebody like Joe Biden or if he dies, Kamala, somebody come on TV and go, ladies and gentlemen, we're good to go. You know, what but I that's think? what's so fucking stressful so is that's not going to happen. Like, that's the happen. point. Like, it's just going to continue going like this. I, I don't mean to be all fucking doom and gloom on you, Dalton, but it's just like I, I, I have like this paranoid like concern that the that this is a beginning of the end, like that they're working at like truly deconstructing this country. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. You no, know, there's nothing wrong in actually admitting that you have that feeling. I wish more people would do that. Because, like, when I talk to people about this, a lot of people just go, hey, man, I'm just chilling. I, What are you talking about? And I go, that can't. No. No fucking way. <laughs> no fucking way are you just chilling or just kicking back. Because you can't. The, 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 everything that's happened the last two years that's led up to now and the fact that we're still not out of this. Just please admit that you're miserable. Just, just, just get it out of the way and say you're scared and you think the world's going to end, and then we can have a good time. But mm-hmm. to, to keep bottling it up and be like, "No, everything's fine. We're all fine." It's like, "No, we're not, dude." No, we're not. And you're in New York City, right? Yes, it's a nightmare out here, dude. Yeah. I've talked to so many comics who are like, "It's so good, the city's back," and I'm like, "Are you fucking retarded? Do you even know what you're saying? The city's not back. The city is." clinging crawling through the ruins of of all this and trying to rebuild but we're not dude new york before all this it was like a party every night four in the morning you know uh everybody's still out and about and that's that has not come back yeah it doesn't sound like it can yeah yeah i don't know that it will um i don't I want to first talk about uh, your other point. I got a shout out to Dildo. He said, boom and busting nut cycles as far as uh, the cycles of uh, life, the cycles of culture, of things changing, but people getting tired of it and stuff like that. So, like, the thing that's different now is, like, before, regardless of what that cultural shift, it was just similar to what you were talking about with uh, either Burr or... uh, Norm or on Conan, somebody just did what they did, and that was it. Like, okay, now we're we're doing hair metal. Okay, now we're just doing grunge. Okay, now we're just doing whatever, and that was just it. So now in this social media world, like everybody on earth, including sometimes us, and I just fucking did a stream about it. Like we act as if, like we're gonna solve the problem. Like I'm gonna say the thing that is the most insightful thing, and that's gonna change things. So everybody has this like sort of added weight when it really isn't like we're just random people talking shit so like we're not really gonna shift the world like we might entertain the people that care about it but like we're just and everybody has that feeling now in this post twatter world where they think okay if i tweet the right thing then i'm you know the right people will agree with me and then it's the the thing it's like well no you're just a guy with an opinion and so everyone is basically the difference is now everyone thinks they're a part of the conversation and a part of the the shift and they want to be the right person they want to do whether it's the, the, you know what whatever side of the political spectrum or or whatever side this side on on whatever political topic or whatever topic is hot they want to be the person and it's just yeah. you're just a 
guy who works at Speedway too. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's, it's ego, man. I'm I'm with you. Um, bear with me here. Have you guys read Dune? No, have I've not. started it, but I have not read it. It's really good. I've been talking about it a lot lately because uh, I'm bored. But um, there is a line. We really in the should book. have read and saw it because it was like a big thing. Yeah, like I, we just failed. Uh, it's 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 a pretty dense book, but there there's a line in it because he talks about all this about Paul Atreides, who who may or may not be a hero, and in the book there's a line where they he says. Arrakis had become afflicted with a hero because Paul, what he realizes is I'm not real. Like I'm not a hero. I'm not anything special. It's just my circumstances led me to this point and I got to do everything I can to get these people to not look to me as their Messiah. Hmm. Uh, and that, you know, that's kind of what the book is about. It's about a lot of things, but well, I'll tell you that in, type of sorry, yeah, I say it, sci-fi and nerd genre that's going to kill with this audience. So feel free to ju- dive into that yes. kind of type of stuff. Technically, yeah, well, that, just, that's what this is supposed to be, but we just start complaining about woke shit all the time. Everybody yeah. nowadays does. It's not woke. Everybody wants to be a messiah. They want to be the person that can really um, influence and affect some change, but you know what you don't realize what a lot of people might forget because we've led we've strayed from the path of of god these days do you know what happens to messiahs they get fucking killed they get get crucified it's true so you got to be careful about this sort of thing and i'm not joking i'm you know you're probably not in any danger of getting crucified but when you start thinking that way that you are actually in some way influential at all uh you're gonna crucify yourself you're gonna you're gonna get to a point where you're like why am i not able to change anything why is none of this working it's like well it's not supposed to work because this isn't it's not normal to want to be someone that people uh look to Hmm. it's normal to be tribal and to just have a community of like-minded people that you can move forward with through time and space and i hope that that happens with the internet and the way it is now i felt it at skank fest um so who knows man but what can you what do you mean can you elaborate on that what do you mean you, you felt it at skank fest like skank fest you know i didn't know what it was gonna be i i always hated comedy festivals they're the fucking gayest things on the planet but, <laughs> uh, skank fest is much different than the other ones i've attended it feels more like- straighter Trader, it, it feels more, more like um, more like Burning Man or, or Gathering of the Juggalos, uh, where it's just people who. So it is just as gay. It's just... it's it, it's it, it, gay in the best way. If all right, way. you know where it's happy like, gay these people that you only know through this distant form of communications and you know, all this internet shit, faceless avatars that are finally able to get together. Avatars a face. Right, no, but I think I know what he means. Like, there's something about that. We have like um, in this community, like there's there's this dude Gary uh, from Nerd Rodic. You you know Metzger, right? Oh, do I know Metzger? Did you see the show? Did you see the Skankfish show? I didn't see that one. Well, I started it, but it was so wild, it felt like I had to be there to really appreciate. I told them they were freaking out about it after the fact, Robbie and Joe, and I said, guys, just be patient. This is our Tommy Weezo's the room. 
Just give us some time <laughs> because we didn't we didn't set out to do anything other than just be here, and we we made what we we did what we did. We're just trust me on this. Hi, Mark. <laughs> so so you th- so that video like the the panel that you guys did from Skankfest, you're saying that's like this piece of genius that's gonna creep its, its way through the even, internet. It's not even genius, dude. Trust me, it's not genius. It's an okay. or, it's an organic train wreck that just works. It's just I watched it back and I was like, I don't know. I think this is funny. There's All no right. part of me that feels embarrassed about it or like we did anything wrong. I was like, this is fun. This is in, in, if we keep it together, we don't all lose our fucking minds. In a year's time, we're gonna look back on it and go, "Wow, what an experience!" We had Kurt Metzger on the show, and not only did we walk half the audience, we walked <laughs> Kurt Metzger. What? Kurt Metzger left. Why? He just didn't. He came in too late. He was doing stand up. He came in like fifteen minutes late, and at that point, we had already. We were already just doing like wrestling. We were like just screaming, <laughs> doing stunts. I, yeah, I, I I slugged a Jello shot and spit it all over the audience. <laughs> oh boy, was it like Triple H on the wrestling thing instead? Yeah, of I'm Jello just, shot? I was just full on doing wrestling, and Kurt walks in 15 minutes later, and he's like, "Yo, so what's up with woke lefties?" And we're like <laughs> screaming, like, "What if Rodney Dangerfield was gay?" <laughs> that's what I, I turned it on because i was just watching some like clips last night and i was like this is fucking wild it's three in the morning i can't i can't handle this right now that was, that was such a you know i think skank, I, talked to a, I talked to a few people after skank fist and there seems to be a bit of a soap opera happening for everybody after the fact and i think what happened is like we all were just pent up with um some kind of angst because of covid and we finally got to just party and have Mm -hmm. you know have a little release and it was maybe we should have uh eased into that weekend because it was just too much all at once it was so overwhelming and after the fact we we all were like well none of us have any serotonin left we gotta (laughs) Because we just it was it was just drugs all weekend. It was like I everywhere you turned, you could find mushrooms or whatever you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, well, the parallel I was going to draw is not quite that extreme, but uh, I said uh, Metzger does this show called Friday Night Tights every once in a while, and uh, it's a Friday night stream with this guy Gary from Nerdrotic, and he did a meetup in Vegas. Uh, just back in August, I went to it, and a bunch of people who like hang out and like this corner of the internet went there too. And uh, not nearly as many drugs or uh, spit jello shots, but it was a really cool meetup because it was everybody that you said that's sort of just anonymous, that there's just that kind of avatar between you and them. Now all of a sudden you're there hanging out, and you all have this kind of commonality that just bonds you immediately, and the hang is so like cathartic and pleasant. Like cool. Yeah, it's it's very necessary. You know, it's it's like I said, it's it, it's going native. It's tribal. It's, it's yeah. Not, it's not sustainable. Like when you're there, you know, we've all if you've ever done drugs, we've all had that thought of like, what if I just quit my job? And you know what I mean. And so <laughs> just while, kept it up. While you're there, you do have that thought where it's like, could we just do this every day? And then by the third day, you're like, no, we can't. Uh, we definitely can't. It's not sustainable. We can only do this once or twice a year, but it's it's very nice. It's 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 cool that we get to do it. Skankfest seems like a real cool 
thing. I definitely am going to check out one of them, uh, you know, in the future. Because all I ever hear is like, as as much as you'd think it would just be degeneracy and savagery, and it sounds like it is. It also sounds like there's like this cool, really cool, like genuine camaraderie and like love amongst the people. Yeah, man. And me personally, this may just be because I was I was raised up in the South, but I'm not I'm not as much of a degenerate as people think I am. <laughs> Um, I'm actually very sweet. I mostly spent the festival just going up, talking to people and, and handing them cans of water being like, here, you need to drink some water. You're on Molly or whatever. <laughs> How many did you do sets to? I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did. I did like three or four stand up sets over the weekend. And by the third day I was so fried. It, it was just, there was no, I, I still went up. But like it was chaos. It was like me, Zach Amico, Robbie, and Chris Fago went up together and just you fucked. Did, you went up at the same time. Yeah, we just fucked around on stage because it was like it was the very last show of Skankfest, and so it had been chaos the whole show because everybody was just like, "What are we gonna? We're gonna do stand up. We're all f- on handfuls of drugs right now." <laughs> Uh, so that, that was actually really fun because we just got to go on stage and kind of hang out and not really work too hard. That's cool. Sounds cool. And you know what? I think there's something to, to your point of uh, like people just like being kind of pent up and like whenever they, they have a chance to let loose, they go like insane. Because I just think, you know, in general, rather we're talking about um, some of the stuff like, you know, there's starting to be more events where people are actually there. I think uh, that shit that happened in Houston a few weeks ago, uh, the Astro World thing, oh, yeah. I think that had a lot to do with it. There's 50,000 people who haven't been to a show in two years, and they lose their shit mm. uh, at a Travis that's Scott a show, point. and then people you know, end up, unfortunately, passing. But that's because there's 50,000 people who have been sitting in their room for two years, and they get to finally go to a fucking concert, and they just lose it. Yeah. And you just reminded me. I need. I need to ask you. Don't feel like you have to answer this. But Vidra, are you black? Why you want to know? You bigot. <laughs> I need, Racist. I need, I need fresh eyes. White supremacist. No, 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 no. I need. I need. I need your uh, thoughts on a situation that I found myself in. Ooh, this is interesting. Here we go. Ask the black guy. Yeah. Uh, no, yes. No, yes, no. I am. I, 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 I really. This may. It'll make sense because I think what right. I did. I had the right idea, but it was very white boy thinking. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, I, 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 to, to kind of go off the race, when I was listening to your uh, you on um, Are You Garbage, it felt like I was like watching the white boys in the hood when you were telling your life story. I felt like <laughs> I was like engrossing myself in white culture. I've been listening to a little Radiohead. And I've been like, I feel like I'm starting to understand you people. Like I'm starting oh, to understand your culture. You people, yes. Um, where I'm from in the South, to be honest with you, it's weird. There's not, there's not a lot of difference between the, the poor white people and poor white black people of the South. Cause I, I've been trying to figure out a way to talk about this on stage. Cause like all the food I remember really enjoying growing up that my grandma cooked was like collard greens, cornbread, grits, uh, fried hmm. green tomatoes, fried chicken, fried quail. All these foods. Whoa, whoa, that's too southern for me. Yeah, but all I was like, foods, cool. And then you said fry quail. I'm like, whoa. Well, yeah. they're just from Detroit. I'm okay. from Detroit. But it was all these foods that if you go to the neighbor next door, if they were a black family, they were cooking the same shit. 
And so what I, what I, the joke I'm trying to tell on stage is like, oh, I just realized we're just as poor as black people. That's why we're eating all this. <laughs> um, but, Dude, there's uh, a good book on the subject, uh, and actually yeah, a channel you were talking about it. Yeah, a channel I really like called Unsafe Space. That's going to be their next, uh, their next like book club book. But it's a book written by Thomas Sowell called uh, Black Rednecks, White Liberals, and uh, it and it explores this exact like all this cultural crossover in the South and where it originated, yeah, it like is. in the Isles of like England and, and Scotland, and is like this sort of like fried clans. chicken is Scottish. Is yeah, it? fried chicken is Scottish. No yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and that's New Orleans. If you go to New Orleans, I think it's in the Ninth Ward. There's a really famous fried chicken place called Willie Mae Scotch House. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, it, it's a it's an interesting subject for an uh, interesting book for the subject you're talking about. So it's uh, I rec I recommend checking it out. And it's free on Audible. If you have an Audible subscription, it's a free oh, book. Yeah. I'll what's it called again? Uh, Black Rednecks, White Liberals. I like that. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. What I was going to say, though, what happened at Skankfest is this, and this was the the night of all that Astro World shit. We were all getting back to the hotel, and I'm walking through the lobby, going to the elevator, and I just, I just kind of noticed there's a there's a bit of a some tension happening between the hotel police officer and um, the, a group of, of of black folks just chilling in the lobby, drinking champagne. And they were dressed to the nines. They were all wearing like Steve Harvey suits. They were clearly like they staying there, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I all I hear is, "Well, we have a here's our room key. We're staying here." And then the cop says, "Yeah, well, you need to leave now." And oh Jesus! Wow. And I had my Skankfest lanyard on that said the the artist pass, and mm -hmm. I'm on drugs. And I just <sighs> like in my mind, I'm like, I gotta fix these bad vibes. And so I walk up and I just hold up the badge and I go, oh, hey, I think this is a, you know, there, there's a festival in town. I think they're here for that. And the cop took the cop stance with me. I've seen my dad. I've seen my dad do this where it's like he's getting ready if he needs his gun, you know. And so he goes, sir, this, you need to stand back now. And I go, well, and he goes, nope, you need to walk away now. Wow. And I, I just like I was, and then the, the people he was hassling, they just started laughing and I walked away because I was like, I guess it was an instance of like, I had the, I had good intentions, but it is like, what the fuck you think you're going to do white boy? <laughs> uh, yeah, what the fuck did you think you were going to do? I seriously, I think I might just be too familiar with police officers because my dad is a cop. So I just was like, oh, I know what to do here. Not realizing this was some sleeve tat dickhead that the hotel hired. Who's bad at his job anyway? How did that situation resolve itself? Did you see what ended up happening? Did they leave the hotel or did they? I, I don't know. I, I I tried talking to the cop later, and I was like, "Yeah, man, that was really none of my business. I just I thought they might have been here for the festival that I'm a part of, and I thought I knew them. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I didn't mean any trouble, and he was still kind of a dickhead about it. He wouldn't shake my hand. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Which, but right there, just proves that I'm completely right. Like. I'm not wrong about this. Well, the only thing people. is you weren't there for the beginning of it, so you don't actually know what the beginning of the altercation was. Like, that's my whole thing with a lot of these, like, stories that come out on the Internet and shit like that. Like, I try to hold back assessing who's right and who's wrong until I have the full context. It's not – yeah, I guess you're right about that. My – where it bothers me, and this is just 
something that can't really be fixed. And that's why Vidge understands, like, yeah, what are you going to do? Um, he, you know, his job is that of a public servant more than anything. And so if you if that's your attitude toward someone just in a hotel lobby, that you're bad at your job. You know, like I talked to cops. I talked to cops in New York. I just walk up to them and go, hey, can you help me find this cross street? And they, they'll give me directions, and they're very friendly. Uh, but when I meet a cop who just flies off the handle immediately, it's like, dude, you're going to kill somebody. Yeah. It's, you're not rap tight already. Yeah. Because, like, if you're a cop, you, you, you're going to get way worse than just some rando talking to you. And uh, since you dildo, uh, he's, uh, you know, adding your aspirations. I guess he said, my apologies, officer. I thought I knew them, but all black people look like to me. That's fair. Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. Since you did all, you knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah. You knew what was going on. No, I mean it's uh, just, just a little bigotry. It's, it's an unwritten cultural thing where it's like just don't even talk to the police. I guess because. Do you think you would have gotten involved if they weren't black? Yeah, Ooh, dude. I was. Dude, trust me, it was mushrooms. Is why I got involved. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yo, what are we doing, guys? Why are we fighting? And then he's like, step back it's now. <laughs> Yeah. I never, That's pretty I, never funny, man. I feel like I, I, you know, I'm so used to giving off this persona of, of being a, just a doughy retard. It always catches me off guard when uh, someone feels threatened by me in any way. I'm like, all right, it, it's very strange. Cause, you seem friendly. Seem like yeah, friendly yeah. You're the friendliest guest we've ever had, honestly. Yeah. I wow. Mean, you know, Take I, look, that, Tom. Look, let's get real. It's cool. I, I do like, only have 10, I only got like 10 minutes left because I got a doctor's appointment. But, um, it's all good. No worries. But, uh, I'm friendly because it's taken a lot of work. You know, I come from a family of my dad's a cop, alcoholic. My mom is insane. And I've had crazy anger problems for most of my life. And, yeah. and it, it temp, like mood swings, all of it. So it's, it's something mushrooms. Had, yeah, it's something I've had to work on. And it still, it still makes, you know. It, depending on where my life is at in any given moment, it can really, that's what we're dealing with on our show now is like, I've had too many, I've had these outbursts that I'm not really aware of. And everyone is like, dude, I don't know what's going on with you. I'm like, yeah, me neither. This is about 30 years of shit. I got to work through. So man, that's I, actually you do have some shit to work through. Not to be funny. Like I, I heard your story. And you were talking about like you're talking about your dad being a cop, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Matt, but like, like tell our audience your dad would like put heavy shit on you, right? Like he would tell you about what was going on. Oh yeah, and the correctional he, he facilities and all that other stuff. He wasn't like a beat cop. He wasn't like patrolling. He was a prison guard. So yeah, he would come home and just unload all of that onto me. And not only that, you know, his drinking, his his detachment from the family itself. You know, he, he mm. never really wanted much to do with us beyond just having us around. But other than that, he would just take his beers and go out in the woods. And, you know, at a certain point, I'd be like, hey, mom, do you know where dad is? And she'd go, oh, shit, I got to go get him out of the woods. Jesus. So, you know, it was very <clears throat> dysfunctional. And not a, it's not it's something I've realized, like, in my own life, in a lot of interpersonal relationships, it's just something people can't relate to. You know, it's like people can relate to abusive parents, but it's it's such a specific set of circumstances that I, you know, it's like, yeah, my dad was a prison guard, uh, war veteran, 
uh, grew up in the South to very poor, abusive people. His dad never told him he loved him. So, you know, it all trickles down. Sure. No, I think specifically you're right. But when you were saying that, I don't know, like that kind of resonated with me, that sort of anger thing. Like I, I have that issue sometimes too where it's like, it's it's just, not that it's uncontrolled, but for me it's kind of like a mean streak and it'll just sort of come out in ways and then it'll be like when it's over, it's like I, I come out of a blackout almost. Yeah, I just feel embarrassed. I'm just like, yeah. I, I look, truly, please don't take it personally. Cause mm-hmm. And I always try to like make up for it, but like once you show people that side of yourself it's really hard for them to ever see you like comfortably again and so it's like that that's you saying them. that was honestly that's on them man because like you know as long as you're t- making the effort to do something and tell people like i'm trying man i'm working on it and yeah if they, can, if they continue to give you no quarter even though you are changing at a certain point you will have to cut them out of your life because 100 percent. but I've it's just but, but saying like I can relate to that. Like I can, like not necessarily, yeah. I don't have the same circumstances at all, but like it just, I completely identify with that sort of like, I don't know, relationship with the world and just sort of like that, that powerful emotion that takes you over. And then like when it's, when it passes, it's like this sort of like emptiness. Now you're just like, Oh fuck. Like I did it again. Like it came yeah. out again. And I didn't want well, that none to of happen. Us know, none of us know what to even care about now. Cause everything is so scattered and we're all so alone that, you know, we find ourselves caring about something a lot only to realize it's not important. So that's very mm. frustrating for me as a comedian where it's like, I, you know, I, do I really care that Tim Dillon and Michael Che are fighting with each other? No, but it passes the time. Yeah, I think it's an interesting story. I know I know you got to get going, so we can't really talk about it. But I did have like just a, a nerd, like a comedy nerdy question. Like, as far as like uh, your writing process, like wh- how how exactly do you write your comedy? Uh, I never know how to answer this. It's such a, an ethereal idea that writing. But um, my friend Mishka Shubali once said that I have just a, a wasp's nest in my head that. <laughs> You know, there's just a swarm, and I don't even know which, you know, when the swarm, which part of the swarm is coming or when. But really, what it is is a, as far as writing goes, it's just a matter of discipline and work. You know, I, I make sure I try to, I stay, I stay well read. Like, I read, I have a library card, I read a lot. Um, I try to, yeah, engage, I engage with the world. You know, I just talk to people and do things. I've gotten into playing chess with black guys in the park. Um, Specifically black guys. White boys they, won't cut it. They are so fucking good at it, dude. There's all these guys at Union Square that just are, that hustle these tables, and they're like, $5, $5. I've heard about I mean, they're kind of famous. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. I go up to him, and I hand him five bucks, and I'll sit there, and he doesn't say much. And then, like, in four moves, he's like, checkmate. And I go, what? <laughs> he goes, all right, take it out. And he shows me how I've been checkmated, and I go, God damn, dude! When you, I mean, fair is fair, and I'm and he goes, for the lesson. Yeah, and, and well, no, I asked him. I'm like, how do you do that? And he goes, shit, man, you gotta download the app. He's like, that's all he said. I was like, <laughs> wow, I download the chess app, figure it out, come back. Huh? <laughs> that's kind of that's that's sort of like the advice I, I've ever heard for like doing stand up. Is like just go go do it for ten years and then come that's back. Not to anything, me. man. It's like there's all these there's all this structure and rules in place for the idiots, but at the end of the day, it's all about feel. It's all about just yes. can you feel what you're doing and express it. 
the, some of the best songs are very minimal. You know, you look yes, at somebody like Jack White, uh, three chords, that's it. And he's got how many albums? You know, he's a master. So it's funny. It, I was just playing some White Stripes. I'm trying to learn guitar, and I was actually playing. White Stripes is a good place to start, man. I, I, yeah, I, I used power to chords. I play guitar in high school. I don't do it much anymore, but that, 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 I, I love minimalism. Uh, margarita pizza, you know, very simple thing. Sure. And I think White Stripes is a perfect band for really getting a feel for uh, guitar and drums because it's it's just all groove and rhythm and rock. So uh, it's you know, and I I apply all of that to what I do. It's it's just it's groove, baby. It's it's uh, rhythm. It's I don't know. It's it's just it's a matter of uh, uh, feeling and, and expression. So as far as writing goes, you know, I read a lot. I'll sit down and write. Uh, I'll do. I'll mill around, walk around. Uh, it's funny. I was listening to like a few of the episodes of, of like your show last night, and I was like, Dalton's like deceptively intelligent. Yeah, um, that's something I'm starting to struggle with because like I, I I leaned a little too hard into all this kayfabe, and now the mm-hmm. people think I'm actually retarded and and <laughs> completely lack any self awareness. Got to repackage your gimmick. Yeah, I got to reinvent myself like Madonna. It works mm. for you though. Like you'll pull out these references. I was like, Jesus, that was fast. Like, where did that come from? Somebody, like, said, somebody said it is like Dennis Miller with autism. Dennis, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, sure. Or just that Dennis is, Miller. I mean, which, yeah, I was just about to say with autism. Yeah, he already has the autism. I guess it's just Dennis Miller if he grew Southern up with, Dennis Miller. It's Dennis yeah. Miller if he grew up with anime instead of history books. Yeah, yeah, there exactly. You go. Well, uh, hey, Dalton, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, brother. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm going to put uh, in the chat, I'm putting the link to uh, the Loud Boys podcast on YouTube. Uh, give it a look. It's really funny. They got some great comics on there. I saw Dan Soder, Ryan Long, and the, the boys themselves are funny. Yeah, so. and, and, and for real, subscribe to the Patreon. We we just dropped an episode that happened right after Skank Fest, and we're all kind of tense. But oh, we, nice. We had our buddy Sammy Obeyed on, and we do something really fun with him for that episode that I, I did not think we were going to do it as well as we did. That's awesome. Uh, so if you five bucks a month, that it's really fun. Right on, man. All right, well, man. thanks. Thanks again, Dalton. Come back and see us. All right, brother. Yes, please right, do, man. man. I would love to have more time with you. You, you seem like a good dude. And uh, there's a thousand things I want to talk to you about. So man, feel free to come back anytime, man. For sure, man. Yeah. Just hit me up. Right on, brother. All right. Yeah, All right. Do. Take it easy, guys. Take All right. it easy. Peace. Dalton Pruitt, everybody. Dalton Ladies Pruitt. That's a great, great guess. I know, guess. man. I could have kept talking to him. It felt like if you know it felt like the first act of the conversation, you know? Yeah. And like I really hope we can do more stuff with him. Like he's a very engaging guy, very good vibe. Good vibes, man. Good vibes. Good vibe. And it's funny too, like he was having such a serious conversation. I've never Every time I listen to him, he's always just joking around and like saying wild shit. And to hear him just be so like introspective and serious, I was like, "Wow, this is not what I expected at all." Yeah, yeah. Please check out his the Patreon stuff, man. You gotta support, gotta support people, and, and just check out his channel in general. Please check it, check it out. Uh, sorry, uh, guys in the chat didn't get to as much as you guys stuff. Still wanted to keep you guys a part of it, but um, got a guest going. I, I like to keep him just going. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And so, he's like, I mean, he's, I, I had so many questions. I wanted to ask like what his kind of goals were in entertainment and comedy. Cause it's so different now, you yeah. know, that like, it's kind of like, if you look at like Tim Dillon, he makes something like over a hundred thousand a month on Patreon. And it's like, really? Yeah. So it's like, he made it like, what else can you really, what, how, how, how much higher are you going to go? Like, what else do you want out of this business to make a mil- a few million dollars a year talking shit? I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. So like, we need like, to do a Patreon. And I'm not joking about that. I've thought about me and you. Like it, it, the thought, I actually just crossed the past couple, like week. I'm like, man, what if we did an extra show for Patreon or something like that? And I thought about saying it to you, but now, like after that, I'm like, I'm just saying now on live on air, like because I'm like, I, I don't know. I think that might be thing. Because I thought the only reason I haven't done a Patreon, I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do differently? But if we had a share like Culture Crime Fires Patreon, we can add an extra show just for Patreon. It's not a bad like, idea. You know what I mean? And th- that way we know this Patreon show, we don't have to worry about suppression. We don't have to worry about saying the coof and all this other shit. We can just talk normally and put it on Patreon, charge $3 a month, and then, or whatever it is, and the people who really care, you know, to, to hear that that version of us uh, will hear it. Yeah, we could definitely talk about that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, all fair. Yeah, Pat S keeps telling me to do the memberships thing, which I think I'm going to do, but I just feel like I don't even know if I have enough to offer like another show. I already do two streams a week and, you know, trying to put out content in between working and stuff. I don't, I don't yeah. know if I have enough to offer. Yeah. Uh, That's how I feel Man too. Of- That's why I think if a, a, a share show may, may help me, yeah, Man of War, I saw this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have the same goal, not going I to prison you. and watching out for. Play, uh, cornhole in real life, but uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to be illegal? Who knows? I mean, we could be tossing the gulag tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know. And like I said, you know, like we talk about it like every week, but I'm fairly certain YouTube's suppressing me, so I'm definitely looking for other outlets because I don't, I'm tired of working hard and then being like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, speaking of which, though, I did put out a new video today on my channel. If you guys want to check it out, it's my uh, Expanse Season 6 trailer reaction. Um, I know trailer reactions are a little lame, but I usually use it as a springboard to talk about, like to just give it my opinions on what I thought on that one. And uh, I recorded it, I recorded it on Streamlabs. It didn't quite come out as good as I wanted the video quality. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought it would be better, but it was actually worse than Streamyard. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but like the second half, like after the trailer, I just go for like ten minutes. I didn't have to edit at all. Like one little, maybe two cuts and one little sensor beep, and like. That's it. I was like really fired up about that. So <laughs> take a look. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Expanse trailer? I mean, you gave, gave him off air beforehand. Uh, but like as a guy who really built your, your channel was built on the Expanse. A lot of people who are in this chat found you watching Expanse content and followed you over to here. Yeah. Like since your dildo, like it was obvious. So like, what is your thoughts on the latest fucking, season? Of Expanse? Looks like garbage. It looks bad. Like it doesn't look like just like. Oh, I'm not sure. It looks straight up bad. Like the yeah. first, like, like I said, like the first 30 seconds are just like, it's, it's all girls like holding the captain. The star of the show is barely in the trailer. He's got like two lines. Uh, mm-hmm. Amos has got like one line and it's all, it's all Avasalara and Bobby and these girls I don't even recognize and drummer, but like drummers like talking about like her feelings and shit. It looks weak. And, uh, you know, Elvis, he was he, he in the comments, he was picking apart all like the bad physics and the bad spaceship stuff. And all. it just oh, yeah, it looks so thing. Yeah, oh, man. So they're bad. even suffering that element because that's their whole gimmick. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, speaking of suffering, it looks like our own uh, Man of War 665, Neighbor of the Beast, your first Super Chat. We always remember our first. Uh, is just back from physical therapy and is in pain and hungry. I hope you feel a little bit better and get something to eat, Man of War. Word. Yeah. Word. Um, yeah, but that was very cool of Dalton to come out. I, I watched cool. that. Yeah, I watched that Are You Garbage podcast. And, and I'm, this is why like I'm always so blown away that anybody watches us. Because I, I, it's always such an effort for me to watch someone that I'm already not convinced I like, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was going through the Are You Garbage. I, I went there because Jim Norton was there, and then I watched the Sam Roberts episode and, like, a few other comedians that were really good. And then one came up with this guy, Dalton Pruitt, and I was about to be like, mm, I don't know who he is. I right, Fine, fuck it. Let me just try it. I was like, this guy's fucking hilarious. His story's hilarious. insane. Story's and then I looked insane, him up. Yeah. yeah, and I looked him up, and I'm like, He's accessible. I wonder if he would come do the show. And like, I I messaged him, and like within an hour, he's like, "I'm in." I was like, "Wow, cool, thanks." Yeah, Re- really cool, man. Really cool. Thank you for uh, getting him, and thank you for like, because you sent that link to me, and I'm really like, one, I didn't even know you sent it, and then when I actually got around to seeing it, I, I was like, yesterday we're like, oh, let's check it out. I was fucking blown a fucking way by his story. I got into a little of it with his dad, but there's just so much there. Please watch that podcast if you want to learn more about Dalton Pruitt because it's, it, like I said, it's, it's like the, the southern white boys in the hood, man. It was mm-hmm. just, like, fascinating to to hear his story. Not that, you know, and his dad ain't Furious Styles, let me tell you, man. His dad put a lot of, a lot of stuff on him. His family seemed pretty, it's a lot of stress. In it. But, I mean, hey, he has a good nature about him. And you know what? I, I do want to piggyback off one point he said at the very end, and you you kind of relate to it, and I think I relate to it too. And I don't know if it's a male thing, but there is like an anger thing, right? Where like as men, historically, we have never done less physically than we do now. Never. Hmm. Like there are still some of us who are out here hardworking, busting our ass, but we've never done less physically. We've never had less like control of our own i mean no that's not true there's been like slave classes but i know what you mean like it's you yo men used to you went to work men went to work and it was physical and then they would do stuff that was physical and they were men like not only is it there's a physical element there's a there's there's a and yes it is on youtube um i I put the link in the uh oh there you go there's the link right here yeah, that's um, the link to the show. It's called Are You Garbage? The concept is that they bring on comedians and they sort of interview them and ask them like a series of questions and try to figure out if they're classy or if they're garbage. And seeing as how they're comedians, they're almost always garbage. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. It, it's funny, man. I, I got to check out more episodes. I saw that there was a Jim Norton episode. Yeah. Um, but like that, like we men aren't men anymore. There's even less like testosterone. We have less testosterone in 30 years. 30 year olds did 30 years ago and and so there's something yeah we can talk about the water turn the freaking frogs gate but there's something just culturally that has like prevented men from doing the things they have historically always done physically mentally being the head of their own household so like there's a thing where men are constantly having to get used to this world and to to play a part of this world so you know suppress themselves we talk about it in schools but it's not just schools it's culture in general we have to mm-hmm you know suppress ourselves so then when those outbursts happen it's like we can't fucking control them because it's like to paraphrase the joker you all you thought we'd just be good little boys sit there and take it but sometimes we go wow it's like that's that's what happens like sometimes you just lose it you know what i mean because you, yeah. you haven't expressed yourself along the way that you normally would have and i, I see like i think a lot I, I don't know 
I'm not sure, but a, a, a reasonable path to me seems like self-discipline can mm-hmm. can kind of free you of a lot of that. Because I, I see like, you know, I, I watch Rogan a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Not as much as I used to, but I still watch it fairly frequently. And, man, I'm watching. I'm like, this guy is so, like, just peaceful. Like, his mind is just peaceful. And he'll just listen. You know, he'll, he'll sometimes he'll steamroll his guests. But for the most part, he's a very good listener. And he entertains all these different ideas and stuff like that. And I'm like, where does that come from? And then I see him, like, kickboxing. And he's like a fucking savage animal. Complete violence. It's ter- It's scary. Like, it scares me when I see it. Just like, Jesus. And I think, like, that's how he process that's how he functions as he gets it out in the gym and he fucking wails on the bag and he really really gets it out like pushes himself to the limit so that for the rest of the day that's all dissipated he doesn't yeah. have that that frustration that anxiety he got it all out and so now he can you know be a functional human and i'm like yeah yes i think, I think there's, there's something, something to that, that. yeah and shit the way he kicks man i would never want to be on the end of his kicks like God damn. Like I'm sure like other train kickboxers who are younger are probably faster, but like they those kicks seem like they would kill someone. And I'm not exaggerating when I no. say that. Like I can't imagine a spleen survives a kick like that. He has there's a video I saw, like a YouTube short of him and he's kicking one of these uh you know, like like a pad on the wall, but it has like a meter, like about how powerful the kick oh, is. Yeah? And he kicks with this like a Muay Thai champion, and his kicks are stronger than the world Muay Thai champion. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm not sh- Hey, I mean, but shit, he's been training, like, his kicks. He started Taekwondo in the 90s. He was training 30, 40 years. Uh-huh. Almost, yeah. He's a jiu-jitsu black belt. He's a Jiu-jitsu. fucking savage, man. Yeah, and I'm not shocked. Like, I- I'm sure that other guy's probably quicker than him, but, boy, he hits that shit, like, with a violence that even violence. if somebody watches MMA is like, whoa. It is fucking scary. Yeah, and like yeah, like that's he's an intense motherfucker. Like he comes across all chill and shit, and I think he is. But I think there's another side to him yeah. that. Oh, hey, by the way, I was listening to this with the with the podcast last night. It was the the Loud Boys with Ryan Long. I was like, you know, I love Ryan Long. I watch anything yeah, yeah, he yeah. does. But uh, did you know Rogan has a black stepdaughter? What? No, I didn't. Had no idea. Apparently, she's a singer. She's smoking. And I guess yeah, it's a daughter from his wife's like previous marriage. I had no idea. I didn't know that either. Blew my How about mind. That? I know. I was like, what? She's fucking gorgeous too. I had no clue. This is all Not news the, to me. Never heard him mention her once like. either. Honestly, you know, I don't listen to Rogan Die Hard, but I don't, you know, he'll mention family in passing, but he never gets like super in depth with them. He talks all, about his know? daughters. I've heard him talk about his daughters. I just yeah. didn't know how he had a stepdaughter. Never heard that come up one hey, time. Kaja Rose. She is cute. Yeah. She's cute, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no clue. Fucking news yeah. to me. I guess Sension Dildo knew that, but I did not. Yeah. Sension Dildo knows. Well, his, his wife went black and came back. Look at there. It's a, dude, it's a new day. Yes, it is. Yeah. I was thinking that's a little weird. I mean, especially for someone as savage as Joe Rogan. Like, do you think there's that primal thing, that primal like anger and frustration that like you know your wife had a kid with someone else? I don't know, man. I, don't I, I just did a, the thing on the stepdad gimmick that Disney had, I'm trying to convince all. Uh, well, it was, just, it was just stupid. It was a short, and I over extrapolated. Uh, I watched that. Hopefully, I watched that. See, yeah. Sentry Dildo. I do watch Vidge's content. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, you guys were like, hey, I almost felt like, shit, man, am I not talking enough? <laughs> because you guys that gave me the chat, like, hey, Vid, you want to hear what you had to say? Like, oh, I need to talk. I know. Sorry. I just, yeah. you know how it is. It's what, we're still, I think we are still uncomfortable with guests, honestly. Like, yeah. I still, I, we're still feeling it out. We don't have, like, a, you know, like, any kind of system we don't have like a producer who gives us like a one sheet and like how to go we just we're still like hey so thanks for coming on you know <laughs> like yeah so i apologize if i was steamrolling vig i did not mean nah, to no nah, i i i lay back because in like i don't want to steamroll the guests my that's no. my thought like no let the guests talk Dal- uh dalton's great and so i like let them talk just, just let them talk so i i, I didn't I, I started to kind of steamroll myself in once you guys in the chat. I'm like, oh, shit, I don't want to, like, say too little that the people in the chat get pissed at me. Uh, and Pat S, no, I'm assuming that his, uh, like, her, like, that technically the daughter is uh, biracial. Or, I would you know, the assume black. so. That would be very strange. That's my assumption. Yeah. But I don't know. I, this is all speculation because this is the first time even hearing Rogan's got, a do- like, a stepdaughter. Yeah. Well, there you go. Did not know that. But uh, I yeah, did want to. Yeah, she's a beautiful girl. I guess she's a singer. I don't know. Um, but I did want to talk on that story that Dalton mentioned about the Michael Che and the Tim Dillon feud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's more to it than he was, like, because he's seeing it. I think he's seeing it from a purely comedic, comedian standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see it from a different angle because of the nature of the story. So, and it does involve Joe Rogan. So I'm not even 100% familiar with the story. Um, cause you were talking about it a little bit backstage, but I didn't, I don't necessarily keep up with everything. So like, what, what is exactly going on with it? Okay. So, okay. Barstool did a great job of, of detailing it. So, so I guess SNL did a skit, uh, or a sketch or whatever the hell, um, with, uh, basically mocking, uh, Rogan and the Invermectin thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can watch it, I think. It's just on Twitter. Oh, Jesus. We don't have to. I'm just we saying can. for context. Yeah, yeah, Let's watch it for context. I, All right. SNL is just a cringe fest. I can't even believe it's still Utter trash. Air. Utter trash. Uh, okay, it's only 43-second clips, so okay. that's that's wow. totally doable. Let me share Enough that screen with you. Smoke a bowl while I have to deal with this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, what happened to it? Oh, uh, no, that's the wrong. It's uh, it, I got to uh, show the Twitter tab. Ah. Uh, Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Who is is that? Who's that girl? It's Ted Cruz. Oh, that that's supposed to be Ted Cruz. Okay. Yeah, I don't and like that's... even like Ted Cruz, but Jesus Christ. I don't really like Ted Cruz either. But every once in a while, he says some pretty base stuff. Where I'm like, okay, you're all right. Not yeah. awesome. I mean, it's like I'm not the type of guy who stands for politicians. Even guys like Dan Crenshaw. I'm like, all right, like. I, I kind of like some things about you, but if I pay too too close attention, I'm eventually going to loathe you. So I'm just like, all right, just do a good job. You're a public servant. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's right. I used to host Fear Factor, and now doctors fear me. Can you help me, Joe? Oh, sure thing, Big Bird. You see, I took Carlos Mencia down. I could take COVID. What? Here's some zinc, and ayahuasca, and some horse medicine. Well, why would a bird take horse medicine? I'm a human, and I took horse medicine. And I'm speaking of things that uh, are horse-like. 
Uh, today's two sponsors are the letters S and D, as in I can S my own D. Wow. Wow. Oh boy. This is unwatchable, man. That's I, really bad. Like, this is uh, I, this is, has nothing to do with politics. This is a non-political, like, bro, SNL used to be funny, man. SNL, there was a time, and I, I mean this with no joke, SNL put jokes together that were funny. Yeah. Fuck, you can make fun of Joe Rogan, and all, you can literally make fun of all the shit that you're talking about and be funny. Why aren't you funny? I'm not okay. I don't. I don't agree with the the horse medicine shit. There was a million ways to do that. Fucking the guy looks nothing like Joe Rogan. He looks like, he looks like he's he goes around in a white van with candy. I don't know huh. who that guy is. Is that was that Pete somebody said that was Pete? That was Pete. Yeah, Dave, that's Pete what he Davidson, looks like yeah. now, or is that? Well, I mean, he's trying to look as Rogany as possible. His shoulders up and a bald cap. It looks horrible, man. Never thought. Well, that was also extremely disrespectful. Like, I I understand. Like, first of all, Pete Davidson's a comedian, so he's not just like a sketch guy. Like, so he should have like kind of a base level respect of someone like Joe Rogan for like what he built and what he pioneered. Like, the idea that his legacy is purely just taking down Carlos Mencia is fucking ridiculous. Like, that's just that's one little thing he's accomplished. Like, he he's such an accomplished performer. You don't have to like him, but that's it. That's all he ever did was take down Mencia. I can take down COVID. Fuck you. Are you kidding? Bro, most people probably forgot about the damn Mencia thing. It was like 10 yeah, years ago. It was like 10 years ago. years ago. Yeah. And, and he did, by the way, who he was a total fucking hack. He was stealing Ned from Holmes. comedians. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't just like he did it out of pettiness. He did it like righteously, and it cost him a lot. He got banned from the comedy store for a long time. That wasn't just like a, a passive, like petty thing. That was a real righteous thing he did. Yeah, and that's actually either pre-Rogan experience or like right at the beginning before it was really popular. That was like a while ago when he did it. definitely so it before the hundred million dollar spotify deal that's for sure yes like well before that show that was even before like any before any significant episode of rogan rather it was grand hamcock or whoever else that you saw in there that made you like joe rogan that was well before that i think it was before the show even ha- happened because i'm pretty sure this because the show's been around for a long time it has but uh, i think i mean that should happen 2007 it happened. It was. It was either like I said before it 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 started, or before he had the studio set up. It had to at least be before he had the the you know, not Probably. the current, but that that kind of iconic studio that he was in for the longest time in L.A. So, because, so he I mean, started. Sorry, he started December twenty fourth, uh, two thousand and nine. Okay, so, so that was see. eleven years ago. Yeah, I don't know like when because the Mencia thing. It's not like it was a news story. Yeah. But I mean, there were lots of YouTube videos on it uh, when that was the first one. Oh, you know what? It says 2007. in 2007. You were right. It was, it was before. before. Wow. So that that just gives you the context. And I get. I mean, man, I can't imagine that that many people like uh, that. You know, immediately remembered that thing. Huh. That, as far as that the home and see a thing so for that that's not the first thing people think of. i don't think fear factor is the first thing people think of. i think people think of his podcast of course his show and revolutionary I, like, man they're just so out of touch just so, be funny i don't have to agree with everybody all the time for fuck's sake put effort into the sketch it's this, so that's the problem with too. it's so lazy like that oh, joke so isn't even like that was 
even like three weeks ago when that story was going on, or however long, it was over a month now, I think. Yeah, yeah. That uh, even at the time that would have been a lazy joke, but this far along in this the journey of that story, you're still just like, I took horse medicine. That's the whole joke. Oof. And that is the joke. They don't listen. They don't even commit to the bit. Okay. No. Like it would have been one thing if he was. It would probably be still corny, like he was growing a horse. Just something, that's something, something creative, something that shows that the the point of this joke, even if I disagree with it politically, was to make me laugh, and, and that was the point. Not to like, hey guys, we all like dislike Rogan. He did the stuff that we told him not to, and yeah, like if he playing. said, if he if he came out like in a horse costume. Yes. And then said, like, hey, take some alpha brain. It'll take, you know, I know about this type of stuff. Like, didn't say the horse thing, just implied it. Like, that would be funnier. But yes. to just flat out say, this is horse, take horse medicine and zinc. It's like, oh, the idea of taking zinc is a joke. It's like, what is happening? This is, this is the, this is the, the highest, like, financed sketch comedy thing in the land. And this is what you guys have. Holy shit. And that's shit. Another thing, you know how many comedians, on YouTube and Instagram, do better sketches. Yeah, Jensen Dittle brings like, out a good point. Sorry, he says so eat many. elk. That would be so fucking funny. Compare yes. it with the elk thing, right? Like that's why he's into horse pills because he eats all that elk. That would be funny. Yeah, there's Oof. so many things to make fun of Rogan. There's so many people who have shit posted Rogan shit. So much better than this. It's like, mm -hmm. God that's damn whack. it, man. Just that's... be better. Do and better. And that was Tim Dillon's point. That was Tim Dillon's entire point. So he tweeted this. He said, there are a hundred ways to do this sketch and have it be funny. The show is now just lazy, mediocre hacks. God, yeah. I, I agree a thousand percent, man. hundred percent. I could, you know, I could write the joke even leftier than this and make it funnier. It's just yeah. like. We just it did funny. it. We just did their job for them like four times. That would have been funny, funnier than this. And like you know, and we're not even. We don't even support their point of view. Yeah, man. Like, utterly ridiculous. Oh my god! And it's just that's. This is this clapter shit. Like mm -hmm. that's fucking up entertainment for two levels. We we constantly complain about the woke shit, woke shit, woke shit. And that, that's ton that's tons to complain about. We still will, but the goddamn lack of skill and the lack of like effort being put in because it's like, well, most people just agree with me, and that's all they need to do. It's like, well, one, not everyone agrees with you. Two, even the ones who don't and are willing to watch the shit, they just want to be entertained. Your first job is to fucking be entertaining. Be even funny. our job, just be funny. You're a court jester. You know right. what I mean? Just just embrace it and and be funny. And it's just like. SNL's lived in this unfunny place for so long, though. They they're, they're decades into this shit. Well, like uh, that's what that's what Dylan says here. He says people saying SNL hasn't been funny since the seventies are wrong. Farley Rock, Sandler, Myers, Norm, uh, Sherry O'Terry, and Molly Shannon were brilliant. Tracy Morgan. Also, the Hater McKinnon era was funny. I don't agree with that, but that's uh, his I don't opinion. Agree with that either. It's maybe the singular uh, greatest U.S. comedy platform, but this sketch was bad, and not bad because it made fun of Joe or Invermectin. I mean, I think that's part of it i think the motivation yeah. is why but but it's the late but it did it in the laziest way possible it was talking points not jokes comedy shows can have a point of view mine does but it should also occasionally have comedy <laughs> God, duh man duh no jesus christ
and so yeah, he he goes on like then the, the the article comments on it saying you know basically just reflecting what we're saying. Yeah. Um, and then so what so, pissed Michael Che off? Well, that he even said that. I think I think the hack thing probably was the thing that really sparked frustration in Che because Che does the weekend update with that. Oh. Um, with like the most Chad looking guy ever. And but he's okay. Cause he says the right things. Like, uh, okay. He's married to Scarlett Johansson, that guy. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 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 yeah I forgot his name. And so, I, see, you know what? I didn't even know Michael Che was on the show because I don't, yeah, I don't he does watch weekend update. Look, I'll tell you what, who. I don't, I don't like Michael Che cause he's so political. Like I started to watch his special a few years ago and He's like, all these people saying Black Lives Matter. It's like, all we're saying is that they matter. They just matter. And it's like, wow, you're not, you're not even understanding what people are frustrated about. Or you're completely ignoring it. One way or the other, this bit sucks. And so I had to just turn it off. And it's like, but he is, I've heard him be very funny. So it's like, it's frustrating that he does this politically motivated stuff. But I do think he has the skill to be a funny person. You know I- I will say I didn't like I said I legit didn't know he was on the show because I don't watch the show. I haven't. I, I can't even. Saturday Night Some Live is like funny. Milkman, like you, this is still going on, right? Wow, but like I, I can at least respect. Okay, he's defending his show. I, I doesn't mean, I mean he, the uh, weekend update sketches are pretty funny. Like they'll do, like basically the like Michael Che and someone else will write like a really racist joke and then make the white guy say it on air. It's uh, it's still like safe wokeish comedy because the idea is you know still racism bad, but like it it like it works because it is he's so uncomfortable and he has to say it because that's the bit. It's pretty funny, huh. but. Yeah, so I'll give him credit. Like, I'm not trying to take away that he's not a funny guy, but th- th- like, well, I don't know. Let's let's let let's let Michael tell us what he thinks. All right. Let's so, on he doesn't have a he doesn't have a Twitter because I don't think he can um, because of his job. Tim Dillon points that out, and so well, but he puts this. Wait, before we go, how come we couldn't have a Twitter or just like they won't let him SNL? I mean. If you ran a giant corporation and you live in the woke cancel culture era, would you want your people on Twitter? But, like, I wouldn't. It, why Twitter as opposed to, like, Instagram? I don't get Who it. Who fucking knows? Could just be company policy. It's probably some stupid HR decision. It, it probably is. But I just, I, yeah. I would either ban them from all social media or let them do any because I wouldn't think Twitter to be more. Whatever. That's, that's, but he's a comedian. You know. He needs to have some social media outlet to let people know about his gigs. Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. It's probably in his contract. Uh-huh. Anyway, and honestly, it's probably a blessing because Twitter sucks. Twitter does suck, indeed. Um, so, so this is his Instagram stories, and so he, you know, uh, screenshots them and then comments, "Lol, you got to be kidding me, Tim Dillon. What's the world coming to?" Then he writes, "Tim Dillon, uh, Tim fucking Dillon." So I think he's trying to like just uh, discredit Tim in general. Um, I think I get his point. His point is like. If I'm a, I'm getting it right, if I'm trying to translate, I, I want to be fair because we could just kill Michael Che. You got to be fair. I, I think his point is like, dude, your your whole thing is like political based. Who are you to talk about us being political based? Which I don't think, I still think not. he's missing the point to do that. But I think that's where his point is by saying Tim fucking Dillon. So I, think I think he's trying to discredit him. I think he's trying well, to say too. this is the guy criticizing me is Tim Dillon. Like, who fucking cares? I think that's what he's trying to get at. Okay, you might be right. I, but I, I consider Tim Dillon to be bigger than Michael Che. 
I would agree that he is, and I don't think it's arguable. Like I said, no. hundred thousand plus on Patreon every month—that's pretty fucking huge. Yeah, his, and his sketches. Are, I mean, I'm sure we could go to YouTube and pull up a Tim Dillon sketch and put it up against a Michael Che sketch, and the views will probably be tenfold in Tim's favor. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think anyone watches. We could this put shit. a lot of sketches that are tenfold uh, in, in his favor. Yeah, uh, or in whoever up. else's favor, just because how bad SNL is. So bad. Look, it's just unwatchable. So oh he goes, "Look, God. I don't want no trouble." And then someone responds, 190,000. Wow, I didn't even know it was that high. 190,000 a month. So he replies. Um, he says, I don't care if it's a zillion. I know Tim Dillon, and he ain't what you think he is. He's a sweet, humble guy who really tried to stand up, got nowhere, became a media personality because it's much easier, and we're all very happy for him, but don't get fresh, Tim. What? Yeah, I don't get it. First of all, that's none of that's true. A media personality? What is that? What do you mean a media per- like compared to what? Compared to someone on SNL? You know what, though? Some of these people think like they still think the old way of doing things is still got like, yo, more people. I, I genuinely did not know Michael Che was on SNL until this very podcast because I have not watched it in over 10 years. Sure. It got so shitty well before wokeness. It's a it's a dead platform. But because it has the history, it's Chris Rock and Eddie Murphy and Chris Farley and all the guys in the 70s. And, and, and it has this history. People look at it as the institution. They, so they say to themselves, yes. I'm on SNL. I'm a part of this institution. Same with the, uh, the guy from The Daily Show. I'm a part of this institution. I'm a part of this already established thing that is probably dying. But it, it's been here and it's it's NBC and it's 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 big damn it it's like bro there's no one in your age group who gives a shit about this shit anymore and i think you're right i think they still look at it as like this is like what he does is comedy what tim dylan does is just you know desperate wackiness yeah because like i i watched an interview with tim and whitney cummings and whitney cummings still looks at herself as like inside the inner circle of of entertainment and Hollywood and Tim's like that's all irrelevant. You don't understand. That's over. No one cares about that. No one cares about. He says no one cares about you being friends with Sandra Bullock. It doesn't matter. And uh, like I think that's kind of the angle Shay's coming from here. Yeah, and I, you know there's a lot of people who don't realize that shift has happened. Like they have no clue that how you would thought last year would have taught them with the Oscars with everybody's web show kind of sucking. Like the, these late, late night talk hosts that really couldn't do what we do. Um, you, you thought that would have woken them up to the fact that normies just don't give a fuck about them anymore in the same way. And so those institutions, they, they give you the ability to, to reach more people, certainly, but you don't have any built in like prestige. Not necessarily true anymore, anymore about reaching people. And you're right. You're probably, you're probably right about that now. I don't yeah, think it I mean, does that. Rogan's probably the most influential show in the country i would think i mean as far as how many p- downloads he gets and how many views like one single outlet like that i it's probably the most watched yeah I mean, he gets, he gets I mean, billions of downloads a month i think when i say reaching well i'm thinking of, I, I mean we, we we complain about being able to get reach on our platform if we were on snl more people would know us that would i mean it's like there's a oh, more yeah i mean compared to us compared know? to <laughs> compared to most people on the internet what we have with uh rogan and dylan is is as much more the exception than the rule you know what i mean so like that's what i mean there still is some platform that you get from being a part of the classic media 
and that's yes it. and no. Yeah, I I I agree, but I, I really I, I don't know who's on SNL. Like I don't know the cast. Me neither. I, like, I didn't know who the bird guy was. I have no idea who those people are. I didn't. I didn't either. And I, I didn't. I I mean, I knew who Pete Davidson was, but I didn't know that was him because he looked terrible. Um, yeah. And then yeah. Go ahead. I, I'm Steve rolling you now. So uh-huh. no, it's fine. Uh, Tim Dillon says, here's the reality. I sell more tickets than Michael Che ever has. I don't think he's allowed to use this website per his job. That's uh, referring to his Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I built something on my own he could never do. Che has done well for a drunk who can barely read, but his show sucks and he knows it. Oof. Man, so this started to get a little personal. Well, I was listening to Jim and Sam cover this exact same story the other day, and they were both laughing about this as if it was oh. just two comedians teasing each other but i don't really think that's the situation yeah i think there's there's some there's some sting there each way this feels real like a drunk who can barely read is clearly a joke but Mm -hmm. the thing about selling tickets is not that's that's the case Hmm. and the idea that like because chase says he says here he he really tried as a stand-up and got nowhere it's like that's not true at all he's a very successful stand-up comedian yeah, but you know, I think when he says "got nowhere," he's thinking from the Hollywood perspective. He didn't get anywhere here. Oh, you know? that like, does he, make sense, actually. Because he, cause that's what I mean. He he still worships the institution. It's like he got nowhere, so he had to go to the internet and be a little. I, he didn't mention the internet, but I, they they have that idea. Like, oh, he didn't. He couldn't cut it amongst us elites who yeah. are on television. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that angle makes sense. So that's what he means. Yeah. Uh, and his show sucks and he knows it. And that's the truth. I mean, you can't deny it. God, like, that's so bad. If you think that that's funny, like if you honestly thought that sketch was, like if you authentically believe that's funny, you have no business being in comedy. You fucking suck. Yeah, man. That That's that's, that's just that's unforgivably unfunny, too. It's just like so bad. So then Che writes back, all fair points. I'm very proud of Tim. I don't want no trouble. Huh? I don't get it. Like, I don't know what he's doing there. Like, I think he's trying to be like, I'm, you know, this is beneath me. I don't really care. Like, whatever. Like, I don't want trouble with Tim. You know, I, I'm afraid. I think that's the angle he's going from. I don't know where's what his angle is. I don't I know. Because I'm almost wondering, like, did, did the trolls come out? or You know what I mean? Sometimes you react to something on the internet, and then you get lambasted in your own comments, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't either. I have no idea. Um and it goes on. Uh, then the same guy says he's selling out theaters on tour right now. I'm a fan of both of yours, mind you. It's uh, him uh, and Sam Talent doing a theater tour. He just sold out the Beacon. I, I, uh, okay. I mean, that's the New York City. The Beacon Theater that's, is a big theater. I see. And Jim and Sam. Uh, shit. Who is it? Is it Jim Norton? And yeah, Sam? yeah. Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. Sam Roberts. Okay, yeah. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, Jim and Norton and Sam Roberts. They have like a, is it like a podcast or is it a um, serious thing? Serious show. Although they're, pr- it sounds like that run might end. It sounds like serious because I listen every day. It sounds mm-hmm. like serious is not going to renew their contract, uh, yeah. or or the offer they're giving them is really insulting. So they might go to Spotify or somewhere else. Yeah, I think Sirius is having. Sirius has always had some trouble. Uh, I fucking it. hate that goddamn platform. It's worthless. Yeah, Who I think needs it's a, it. It was a transitional platform. It was a yes. platform for a time. It, it's Betamax. It, yes, it, 
it served the time example. before internet was what it currently was because i had it back in like and it was cool at the time to have at had the it. time at the time to have it had it in the late 2000s early 10s it was like you know spotify wasn't what it was so like Didn't that was exist. a cool place it, it, oh yeah the only thing exists you still had uh pandora as far as music and podcast you really couldn't do anything no when so, it like, first came out it was actually really revolutionary because it was i think it was even pre um napster to be honest yeah came, oh you talking about when it first first came out yeah late 90s yeah and it was really like a wow this is cool like uncensored radio like thank god there's some new outlet like this and yeah and then it was it was a hot spot to go because Opie and Anthony went to XM and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Howard Stern went to Sirius, and those were two mm-hmm. gigantic you know at the time gigantic shows. Uh, so people you know were like, oh, there's something hot here. Now I, I cannot, I have no idea who voluntarily has a Sirius XM subscription, and the only reason I don't I don't even have one. I pirate it all, but the only reason <laughs> I have had one is because like. Uh, you know, Jim and Sam, because that's the only place you can get them. That's the and that's mm-hmm. it. That's the only reason I would do that. It's like every any like music, a music Man. fucking playlist. Are you out of your mind? What year is it? Yeah, it, it was, it was cool at the time. But you know what? You know what's funny about this? I actually I did have a Chrysler car, which is why I had like a free year series, and I and that's it. yeah. That's a lot of it. And I, I think. renewed it for a couple of years, and it was super cheap, and it was like cool. And then, like you know, podcasts happened, and it was like, uh, well, I guess there's really no need for this at all. So yeah, uh, man, man. But as far as the uh, this this whole Michael Che thing, this is like really weird. just I don't want no trouble thing. It's very weird. I think he's just trying to be cheeky. I guess, but he's coming off cuckish and just weird. Well, it comes off, and then he says, "I mean, he might be drunk too." Let's remember he, he does accuse him of being a drunk, and then Jim backed that up that he he does drink quite a bit. So Uh-oh. this could just be him drink drunk, and I think he deleted all this. Well, it's all in his story, so it just goes away. Yeah. Um, but he says, "But in the words of a prodigy, seriously, folks, what's this world coming to?" Okay. I don't know. Honestly, that's what I thought when I saw that sketch. Is that supposed to be like a, a reference to Goodfellas? Like, what's the world coming to? Is that what he's doing there? I don't get it. Man, I think the drunk thing may be, a, you know, I don't want to, you know, comment on Michael. Ch- I've never met the guy. But I, I don't know what's going on with these, with, with, I want to say tweets, with these posts. I have no idea what's going on. No clue. It's really weird. Um, and he says, Lowell, the last time I saw Tim Dillon was about three years ago, and he was so nice and complimentary. And I told him I was very proud of him, and I still am. I'm not going to say nothing to Tim that I wouldn't tell him in person. He's a sweet guy. Ask anybody who knows him. Okay. Okay. Does that mean now your sketch is good, or are you admitting your sketch isn't good? I don't understand. Man, you know what? Maybe... Man, I don't want I don't want to armchair psychotic, even though that's all we fucking do in this podcast, right? Uh-huh. But like, man, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like, I, maybe he felt, I think he felt threatened, and that like maybe he's trying to backtrack a little bit. I don't yeah, know. I don't. I don't either. I don't know. Um, Giannis. I only know if like Giannis Papas. No, the comedian. Okay. I don't know what Jan- I don't know if Giannis weighed in on this at all. Maybe he did. He talks. I mean, you know, Giannis is pretty vocal on Twitter. He's a funny comic. 
um, him and uh, DeStefano had a show that I still listen to called uh, History Hyenas. It's really funny. They're like they're just they're nuts, and then they talk about history. It's really, actually, a very interesting show. Um, they don't do that anymore, but maybe that's oh, what man. he's talking about. I would assume he means Giannis Papas. So I don't know. Y- y- you'll tell, yeah, Lowell tell Giannis I don't want no trouble. I this I don't want no trouble. I think that is a backtrack. I don't think he's like being cheeky. I think he's trying to backtrack. He's trying to backpedal. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Uh, that, that's that's my uh, you know assessment. I couldn't tell you. You know, it could you could be right, but I, I feel like he's just like I, I feel like it's one of those things where he thought he was the smartest guy in the room when he he first said something, and then some of the feedback started to hit him, and he said, "Oh shit, this is." not good and then he just tried to slowly backtrack i don't know ascension dildo's point i think is really the more probably the more accurate one uh drumming up some interest in his new special dramas an effective tool maybe i didn't know he had a new special so you know there there's that apparently he does this apparently like this is his thing that he'll he'll Uh, kind of create drama online and then it'll draw attention to him and then like it'll help him sell stuff i I don't know uh oh oh the the 50 cent logic just start beefs I guess I don't know. I listened to the Tim. I listened to the most recent episode of the Tim Dillon show, and he did not. He wasn't like angry or anything, but he, you know, addressed it frankly, and it Mm -hmm. didn't sound like it was just jokes, you know, between comedians. It sounded like he's just like. I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it is either. I think it's very much serious, and you know. What can Shay really say though? That's the thing. Like, what can he he say that was funny? We do a good job here. It's like that's not true. Yeah, that's why the best answer is to say nothing. Mm-hmm. Just I would, say nothing at all. I, yeah. I, I can't imagine. I mean, how many people criticize SNL? How many people criticize SNL over the past ten years? It's like deal with it over the past tw- the fucking whole time. I mean, it's going to be critics. Shit, even when it was at his at his peak, there was critics. You don't have to answer yeah. it if you, if, especially if you're, you know, he didn't make it, which I took as, you know, he's beneath us. If you think SNL is so high and mighty, you don't have to answer as peons when we don't like his shit. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, uh, really strange, really bizarre. But it's int- you don't really see comedians beefing back and forth like that. That's a pretty unique thing to happen. Yeah. Like like what uh, Dalton was saying off air, but it was that like you keep that stuff in the green room. You know, you talk shit to other comedians, and there's kind of like this code of honor, this sort of like La Costa Nostra thing, where you just you know it's in, it's in the, you keep it in the family, you don't let it yeah. out. Uh, so it's weird that it became public like this, but maybe he wrote the sketch and just took it personal, and then he you know he spat spot off. Oh, if Che wrote that sketch, that's pathetic. And I mean, hey. Everybody has a has a bad go. If if you did write that sketch and it just sucked, just own the fact that it sucked so you could get better. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, personally own it. Don't even mention it. Yeah, just like like man, because I listen. I'm sure Tim Dillon is not the only one who said this sketch is complete trash. You know, honor amongst these. What you know, just it's it's probably such trash. It really wouldn't even have made any kind of waves if it wasn't for the fact that Tim Dillon posted about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did. You know what? Even before this, I was aware of this. There were people making fun of how just cheesy that. I saw screenshots of that sketch. Oh, you did? I didn't oh, look okay. at it. I've seen like screenshots uh, and people say SNL is not fun. I couldn't tell you whose video it was, but there's some some bigger YouTuber and a couple of them. I saw like screenshots with the big bird and the, the female as Ted Cruz. 
Well, there's also like something other angle to this story that isn't really being mentioned, but that's essentially a comedy to a comedy sketch to sell fucking vaccines. Yeah, there's that too. Welcome to the Eastern Bloc. It's a goddamn (laughs) commercial for for (laughs) Pfizer. Uh, You know what I mean? This isn't a comedy sketch. This is do the thing we're telling you to do. You know, ha fucking ha. It's it's. Like no, that's not even being mentioned. It's like you know, yeah, it's unfunny, but it's also utter propaganda bullshit. Like that, what the what is SNL doing? Like what is the corporate media legitimately like works for Pfizer? Yeah, well, yeah, they do. They do legitimately work for Pfizer. I mean, think of how many. If you just go off of how many fucking drug commercials there have been in the past fifty years, and how much money that that. That advertising is gone. They they work off just the strength of that. You know what I mean, dude. And James Lindsay, man, like like I, I bring him up a lot, but he's such a good commentator, especially right now. He's like he's, he's having a moment. James Lindsay's yeah. having a moment right now. Um, but he was saying that like what they'll do on CNN is they'll going into the going back from commercial break, they'll have like a like a pharmaceutical ad, right? Mm-hmm. Then the entire segment will be stirring up fear about this whole pandemic thing. And then going out into the next commercial break will be another uh, pharmaceutical ad. Ah. So essentially, it's a pharmaceutical segment sandwiched by two commercials for the pharmaceutical companies. Oh, hell, Pfizer. Oh, hell, Pfizer. Like, since when the fuck does the left, are, are they like, rah, rah, the medical corporations? Yeah, big pharma. (laughs) Isn't one of the left's biggest talking point health insurance? I swear to God, what happened? Why do you think health insurance is expensive? You think people just put a number there randomly? It's because of fucking big pharma and big medical tech who make the shit so fucking expensive. It's been the number one target of the left and their healthcare pursuit for the past fifteen twenty years. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're like, rah, rah, big pharma. Because those envelopes start getting <laughs> passed, and then you don't want to be on the wrong side of history, and all of a sudden, you're a fucking medical shill. Mm-hmm. And, and and questioning it makes you this wild conspiracy theorist. It's like, okay, all right, yeah, nothing suspicious here. How dare you not want booster shots for the rest of your life? What's wrong with you? You don't want an experimental uh, jab? Uh, or experimental gene therapy for the rest of your life. What's wrong with you, you bigot? It's even there. Even are some normal people who are kind of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting a third shot. Like, yeah. I'm not. This is getting to a point where it's like, and it's wild, man, because you know the first people who complain, they always seem like the crazies, and obviously they're depicted as such. But I remember like maybe like a month in to the lockdowns, there were like those protests in like Orange County, California. And you look mm-hmm. at them like, you know, even at the time, I think I wasn't on board. I was just kind of like, oh, shut up. Like, we're just trying to, you know, do it better for everybody, blah, 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 blah. But they were 100% right. Oh, I was 100% with the, the first set of protests. When the lockdown happened, I said, oh, shit. Especially, I'll tell you the story about the, the coworker who had a cousin at the Pentagon who gave us this crazy ass message before anything really, really popped off. No. Oh, I never said this. I mean, maybe you said oh. it not to me, though. Oh shit. So yeah, when I it was a couple jobs ago, but like somebody there, their cousin worked at the Pentagon and like COVID was a thing. You had heard about it. Yeah, I'd heard but about it. But it was some yeah. stuff in China and it they 
they got a message. He was like, y'all need to play all this message that I got from my cousin. And they were like, listen, everything in America is about to be locked down. Get your gas. Get This is before the toilet paper shit, like almost a week or two before. It was right wow. before. It was like, get your gas, get your supplies. Everything is going to be locked down. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. This is bullshit. Sure as shit. Everything was locked down. I'm like, fuck me. That, that was real. So they knew a couple weeks before everything started to hit the fan that it was about to hit the fan. So at, from that point on, I said, this is a work. This, there's something else. This is not just. And don't get me wrong. There was times where I was scared. Shit, the first, when I very first heard about it, and I went to the gym. Last time I went to the gym, I had like gloves and shit. And I had all this other shit on. And I think I might even had a mask on. And you know, touch it, over sanitize the shit. There was one other guy in the gym. He looked awkward. He looked like mm-hmm. I frightened him by being so frightened. Yeah. And it was that, you know, I, I was all with it. And then when I started to see the, the bullshit politics, the, I'm like, this is all fake. Yeah. Rules I, for me, not for thee. I didn't question it right away, but there was part of me that's like, look who this is coming from mm-hmm. and just, you know, keep your mind open about this whole situation. So, I didn't question it because it was so novel. Like nothing like this has ever happened in the history of this country. As far as I know, I don't even think the Spanish flu matches what's going on here. We didn't do this for the Spanish flu. So it was, it was, I believed it. And then just the longer it went on and the more bullshit and then the riots and the curfews. And then you're just like, what the fuck are you all doing with this country right now? Yeah. It took some time for me to question it, though. But there were some people who didn't, and they they were the ones who, like, right out the gate were questioning it. And it's like, and this is, and you'll see, like, the trickle-down, like, the normie trickle-down. Like, they're getting to the point now where they're like, maybe there is something weird here. I'm not sure I like this any longer. Yeah. And shit, you know who really had, I mean. 20 months in. You know who had everything a weekend? Fucking Young Ripper. Go watch any of those videos from March of 2020. Really? He predicted Every fucking thing down to the, I think even the jab mandates before there was even a jab. He predicted like everything. He predicted the fucking future. If you if you could check a March 2020 video of Young Ripper, you will see like it was like, wow, this motherfucker's Nostradamus. I know I, you know, like check it out if you, if you guys are ever interested in seeing how much he had right off rip. Probably because he's been paying attention for a long time and they're just using the same playbook. Yeah, they are. They absolutely are. I mean, shit, this is the same playbook they use for pop culture. I think I honestly, you know, with my conspiratorial mind, I think pop culture was the testing ground for what they do in mass culture. Um, and it, it's come to pass. The, the shit of, like, if you have a slightly different opinion, you're a bigot. You know, that started mm-hmm. off in comics. You know, oh, you don't like they're making uh, Ironheart comics that that suit that Iron Man has gone from being this rich billionaire to some random black girl that's better than him. You must be a bigot. And that's what now you don't like the jab. You must be an anti-vaxxer. You must be this, that, and third. That same logic ratcheted up. Well, they, they started it even earlier than just the flat out calling you a bigot thing. Like over, and some of it was valid, but over like, you know, in the early 2000s through like 2010, the angle was more like making it cool to be on the left and making you seem completely out of touch yeah. to be on the right. And they did it really deftly, I felt. You know, it, yeah, they did. 
and they would kind of shuffle you all into this corner where like these are the right opinions and it was like you know because we're cool and you bought it i bought it and it was like it worked you know because john stewart was funny and so was uh uh what's his name um the guy who followed him colbert like they did mm-hmm. a good job and also they had a lot of evidence i mean the bush administration was a fucking disaster um, yeah, but well. it's like so so but it became this kind of just casual thing and then you just had like these opinions you know and then I don't know when it changed. I think it was after the, um, what's it called? The uh, Occupy Wall Street thing. Like once mm-hmm. that all a lot came of to say a head. Yeah. Once that all came to a head, then it became crazy. That's when I, that's- I moved to California right at the tail end of the, of that. And that's when it was like, I talked to people and I'm like, whoa, you guys are way crazier than me. Like, what are you talking about? Like I, I had just campaigned for like Obama and I was just <laughs> like, wait, what? Like, you know, this whole identity politics thing started coming out and they just started this wild white privilege and all this shit. You're just like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, 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 whoa. What, what's going on here? And you no, get kind of like... is probably a good... I don't mean to cut you off, but Occupy is no, no, probably no, no. a good part, uh, starting point. Because I, I, I wonder, what is this... St- like, when did this... This era... I know there's stuff... We can go back, yo, there's liberalism, there's wacky liberalism way back in some text. And you've, we've seen movies like, oh, maybe that was kind of what we would call woke now. But like this modern era of identity politics and, you know, hardcore communism, hardcore leftism, and most of all, the exclusionary thought of like, oh, if you're not a part of the group, then you're like, you're... I, I hate to say it. I, I'm actually about to reveal something I've never revealed. Uh, so I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and they have no this shit. Thing. Yeah, so they have this thing called disfellowship, and you once you're disfellowship, no one can talk to you. That's the thing. That's the gimmick. Which is one of the reasons I never got baptized because if I can't get baptized, I can't be disfellowship. So it, that's the thing, and that's what it almost feels like. It's oh, you're not a part of the group, well then you have to be excommunicated. So it you, has that same thing. Sorry, do you listen to Metzger outside of Friday Night Tights? I know he was raised as a Jehovah's Witness as well. Yeah. Yeah, and he talks about that exact same thing. It's, it's his really experience is way worse than mine. Thank God we were only half-assed at it uh, because it seems pretty. I've I've seen some people's experience. I've seen his experience. I know of other people who I I I came up with who had some crazy shit happen to them, but like my family was kind of like the only show up on like important events type witnesses like it, it, the the equivalent of a a, a, a pe- per- people who only go to church on easter type thing so we didn't do it as hard but there were times where it was hard hell there were times where it's beneficial but i have heard some of his uh horror stories about it yeah and it's just you guys have a similar like background and a similar point of view i think it would be uh definitely worth your time especially like the can't get right because that's where he talks about that more than anything yeah yeah um but anyway so this is the meme this is uh and I and I saw this and I was like, uh, but then I heard like 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 I heard James Lindsay back it up and I've heard other like reputable people back it up and you're like, oh. And then I guess that graph they're showing is like the number of New York Times articles monitoring racism mm. uh, and the explosion right after the end of Wolf of Wall Street. Or sorry, Wolf of Wall Street, Occupy Wall Street. <laughs> Man, bro, I think there's something to it. I do too. The media is so invested. The media is so invested in racism, and we got to go now. I hate to leave on this note, mm. um, but they're so invested in racism that they're trying to fucking make white on white crime a, a sign of white supremacy, or not crime. It's not a crime. Or white on white violence uh, in this Kyle Rittenhouse situation a sign of white supremacy. Yeah, they're really stretching. 
Super stretch. This one doesn't seem like I don't think they're fooling anyone with the Rittenhouse thing. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know how normies are reacting. I have no idea how normies are reacting to the Rittenhouse thing. I know how the 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 left is. Um, but well, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I spent a lot of time on Nine Gag like on, on the website that I'm sharing this meme from, and yeah, uh, yeah. there's a lot of people on there who are like you know lefty and still believe in like jab mandates and stuff like that. There's a mm-hmm. lot of other stuff. It's a pretty diverse like uh, community of opinion, which I, that's what I like about it. But uh, e- I have not seen anyone for a long time saying like honestly even criticizing Rittenhouse. Like I think the yeah. more evidence comes out, the more the trial seems like a sham. I do think most people are just like, oh yeah, though no, this is absolute bullshit. And then they, you know, they characterize the guys that were shot and killed, and you're like, who the, f-, you know, what are we, t- who, who, who are you protecting here? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that's weird. Like, there, I, I have an opinion on the Rittenhouse thing. I, I, first off, I want to say I don't think he killed. I mean, I don't think he murdered anyone. I think it was self-defense. It was obvious. But I was always uncomfortable with some of the, not all, but some of the people on the right went, like, really hard and trying to turn this guy into, uh, you know, lionize him. And I said, he's not really a hero. He's just a guy who got himself in a bad situation and got him out. But like there, a lot of could, a lot could have even went worse. I mean, he's one of the best shots I've ever seen, but like, what if a stray bullet hit somebody that wasn't involved with the confrontation? That was a very plausible thing that could have happened. And there was a lot of bad that could have happened. So like to champion what he did, there's, there's one thing to say legally, he shouldn't be, uh, uh, self-defense, which I agree with, but to champion what he did, especially when you have a lot of these people who are grown-ass people championing what a kid did, it's like, no, he should have had a parent there, an adult male, because to tell him, hey, no, you're not going to solve anything. He put out a few fires, but he's going to be scarred for life after this. You know what Agreed. I mean? Agreed. Agreed. And I think, I think the reason people are lionizing him is because there's a lot of people who wanted to go do that. Yes. You know, who were so frustrated. And I, look, I think right, rightfully so, watching the country yeah. just being destroyed and burned down and all like the, these mayors and governors like standing down, not enforcing the rule of law, which they should have done. Uh, and they're just like people were just fed up. And this kid had, you know, too much idealism, too much, you know, just a lack of real experience to to understand that this you're go if you're going to look for trouble, you're going to go find it. Uh, you're gonna it'll find you or whatever um so they're like yeah like that's what i want to do you know like they they kind of look at him Live in that regard. Him. yeah yeah i think like i legally i don't think he did anything wrong but i just think from a personal standpoint it's like i mean yeah you went there looking for trouble and you found it yeah and now you're on yeah. trial and you have to pay a lawyer and all these things and like you know and also you took a few lives whether they were good or bad you're still gonna have to live with that for the rest of your life and was it worth it? You know, like yeah. did, what happened that wouldn't have happened if you were there, if you weren't there, you know, it's like, I'm not saying you shouldn't have whatever. I'm just saying it's like, was it really worth it in the end? Yeah. that that That's, I have the exact same point of view and I got shit on it. And actually speaking of Kyle Rittenhouse, cause my coverage of Kyle Rittenhouse is the thing that put my channel into the shitter way back when. And I feel yeah. like it's still recovering. And I put an ad on the video. I don't know if I told you guys in the chat, but uh, shout out to Brightest Day if you're still here. Hey, uh, you suggested, and yeah, you're not lying. That's the the whole Jehovah Witness don't got buy shit for Christmas, even though we still did. We actually still did Christmas, and shit. whatever. That's cool. I told you we weren't perfect at it. Um, so I put an ad on my Kyle Rittenhouse clip that I posted a few days ago. For the longest, 
they didn't even push the video, but they are starting to finally, they want money. They're starting to charge me and they're starting to actually push the video out. So it has like a couple hundred views finally, or like a hundred and some odd views. They say in the back end, it says like 200, but it only shows a couple hundred. So yeah, finally they're, they're pushing this video, which I thought they wouldn't. So there's that. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, wrapping it up, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my video is getting ratioed. Nice. What's your uh, expense? Uh-huh. People who like the expense still like the expense. I've noticed Oof. that. Like you, they, they, they're they're not going all. And, and to be fair, man, if if that show is as good as everyone says it is, the first few seasons, it'll it'll often take a couple seasons and a couple years for you to realize something's not good. You know what I mean? It's true, man. It's really true. Like everyone hates the new Star Wars uh, now, but they didn't for a long time. No, they didn't. They really didn't. Not not when the fucking like I talk shit about the Force of Weekends, but they got me. I was one of the idiots. Oh man, it's Star Wars again. And even if it is, I was like, oh, it's just a new hope. But so what? I just got Star Wars. And then we see how that see how that turned out. Yep. But uh, that was a that was a rad show. Thank you for Dalton Pruitt coming out. Man, thank you, Dalton. Incredible show. Thank, uh, please come back. Please come yeah. back. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, make sure you guys check us out. Don't forget, this is a podcast uh, that is on uh, iTunes and Spotify, and it's out there. And if you guys can help us, uh, you know, if you're interested, you can listen to it without having to listen to YouTube. Um, And if you guys can help us, give us a five-star review on iTunes so that it can go up in the charts and hopefully more people will see it uh, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, thank you guys for watching and thanks for supporting the Culture Crime Fighters. Yes, we're internationally famous. Yeah. You need to contribute to that. We, they, they're listening to us in the Kremlin, apparently. Mm-hmm. Got Russian fans. That's awesome. Yeah, all over Europe, all over Ireland and England. I see it. It's really pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Getting downloads all over the world. So spread the love of culture crime fighters. And we also need to constantly say this. Next week, we're on Matt's channel. So if you That's enjoy right. what we got here, next week, we, we'll be on Fireball Productions channel. Same bat time, different bat channel, but same good content as always. Uh, any other thoughts before we uh, wrap up? No. No, I'm good. Yeah. I feel like we had a really good conversation with Dalton. I'm glad he came on. I wish we could have talked to him for longer, but maybe he'll be back in the future. Yeah. He seemed really cool. I hope I hope we can get him back. He seems awesome. He's, yeah. he's awesome. You guys didn't see his uh, initial scream name, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it would have got us like, canceled. I, I kind of wanted to run with it just to try it, but I was like, we can't have that, man. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm the- too much. Uh, that's why maybe we do need a Patreon show so we could have it. That would be funny for sure. That, that, for that's sure, that's for some sure. of our Patreon. So that's something I'll, I'll talk to you about off air. But uh, for my man Matt at Fireball Productions, I'm Vigilante Williamson. We are the Culture Crime Fighters and we are out of here. I will see you guys next week and I'll probably see you guys sometime this week on this channel and obviously the MFR on Friday on Matt's channel. So please check out all that good stuff. You guys are all good people. I love you all. Uh, peace. Peace.